Welcome to episode one, tons of fun of Story Mode, the newest member of the Fan Critical Podcast family. I'm your host, Jesse Munro, and I'm joined by Keelan Simpson. Hello. And over in lovely, lovely Perth, Simon Evans. Hello. Now, every week, we're going to be sitting down with you to talk about video games and talk about Xbox games and Sony games and Nintendo games. And if we're cheeky, a little bit of the old Google Stadia, a little bit of the Oya, a little Mm. bit of the... Why not? What, the Google Stadia game, the one that's on there? Can you name... Do you know what that game is? Yeah, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. That's it. It's pretty, it's a can we talk about GeForce that. Now instead, please? Actually, that yeah, that's really way the more promising. Streaming platform. Whoa, and, and this podcast ends before it begins. <laughs> so every week we're going to get together, we're going to talk some shit about games, but today we thought we'll keep it a little bit loose. It's the first one of the year, okay? It's the first one ever, and we want to make sure that Mr. iTunes allows us to go online. So today we're going to be talking about a few of our predictions for this year. Some of the games we're looking forward to, maybe a surprise hit, maybe a dream or two. Maybe that was a good hint about one Ooh. of my games. Ooh, Ooh. la-di-da. Foreshadowing. Dun-dun-dun. This podcast has a depth. Okay, it's like Game of Thrones already. <laughs> 20 minutes into this episode, everyone's going to be like, oh, oh, dreams. Like the game. I get it. And it's going to be a pretty good moment. That's a really good segue to your first... Uh... My first game? Yeah. Yep, exactly right. Watch Dogs Legion. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, Watch Dogs got off to a bit of a messy start, but I've always had a bit of a soft spot for it. I think the first game uh, fell to its own hype because it was in production hell for like 17 years and everyone's like, wait, this isn't GTA. You said there was going to be GTA with with like cameras, camera phones. It's not. Watch Dogs Legion... Sorry, Watch Dogs 2... Uh, set in San Francisco, took the, the franchise into a very positive direction, leaning into itself, taking the piss. Watch Dogs Legion is um very is, is post Brexit London. Um, a war zone. Like, let's not get started <laughs> on that politically charged topic. So with us today on BBC, we have uh, Simon Evans to talk about post Brexit London. Well, Simon, have you seen have you seen the trailers? No, actually, I haven't. I've the only thing I've really s- seen about the game is just that it's gonna happen. I haven't looked at any <laughs> trailers. Haven't seen anything about it. Haven't delved into it because I actually I haven't played Watch Dogs One nor Watch Dogs Two, but I did watch a YouTuber. Um, I'd, I'd watched them do a let's play of it, and I very much enjoyed that. But I think it was more because he was having a lot of fun with it more so than the game itself. Sorry, with this one or two? Two. So two two allows you to have fun. Two has almost a Far Cry vibe about it, where it's just like, jump in, fuck around, don't take it too seriously. Yeah, fuck around with Which is good, because and the LHTV. first one took itself the first one took itself very seriously. Um, what like, a protagonist very... in the first one. But, you know, yeah. sometimes I just want to play a game where I have to mourn my daughter. Sometimes, like, that's what I want in a game. Maybe if, you know, Mario had a daughter and she died. I'd be stoked for Odyssey 2. You know, take notes, <laughs> Nintendo. Give him a daughter and take her away. They're going to get but a ready Legion, spin. Legion has this hook where you can play as everyone. So you're not... There isn't just a set protagonist. You play between people. You meet somebody. You find out if they are um, willing to join your DedSec, which is the group of hackers that you're in. Um, trying to overthrow someone or something. The story doesn't fucking matter at this point. <laughs> and you try to see, do they like your group? Is the media being friendly towards you? Is what they heard being friendly towards you? And if they're not, but they have a valuable skill set, you can sort of gaslight them. You can follow them around. Maybe they go in the gym in the morning, maybe, then they go to work. Perhaps something happens at the gym. You created it. They don't know that you did it, but you help them. And they're like, hey, the p- pretty good guy. Then they go to work, something happens. It was you, but, you know, they don't know that. You help them again. It's like, guardian angel. By the time they're at the pub, they're like, yeah, fuck it. I'll, I'll, I'll join in. <laughs> and that person could have been, say, a, a field medic back in, back in the army. This person now has really good, like, they can heal other players. They have better health stats. But with that, freedom also comes a bit of uh, responsibility. With great, great power comes great responsibility, as a great film once said. Um... 
if <laughs> just the movie one... though it wasn't said anywhere else just in that one movie one spider-man reference let's count them all um if your character dies they're dead they're gone if your character gets arrested you can either choose to break them out of prison or they're gone so i saw this in action at um pax last year they had a little session we could watch it get played the game looks genuinely fun it is taking the piss it has all these really good um british stereotypes which simon are all really really positive <laughs> and um no, it, great if there aren't at least eight people in your eight person squad drinking cups of tea at all points in time it's not accurate and therefore not worth playing well you can play the entire game as an old lady you can have a gang of old oh my, ladies can you can you recruit the queen um <laughs> i hope no i hope she's the boss <laughs> yeah, yeah she's the final boss and she's yeah <laughs> And she has Prince Charles on, like, a leash, and he's, like, a liquor from Resident Evil. Mm. Uh. Mm. <laughs> Please don't kink-shame the queen. I'm not kink-shaming her, I'm just shaming Prince Charles. I thought wait, you said the... king-shame the queen, and I was <laughs> very shame. Oh, that would be really clever! Damn. <laughs> I wasn't that funny. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Alright, well, speaking of... I don't know. England? Simon, you're up next. All right, my uh, what, what a segue! Yeah, that was buttery smooth. The game I'm like one of the games I'm looking forward to this year, which is coming out very soon, is uh, Animal Crossing. Yeah, Animal Crossing New Horizons because fuck yeah, finally a new Animal Crossing game, yes. and there's just so much customization going on. And one of my favorite things is that I'm sort of I'm kind of casually into Animal Crossing like I really enjoy the games and I get more out of it than probably your more casual player but I'm not as dedicated as other people and it's been really entertaining to watch the Animal Crossing subreddit lose their shit over the tiniest things like that pant has pockets and oh my god you can put sleeves on things now and ah you can make stairs (laughs) it's okay guys the in the innocent charm of that game is so endearing. Like I mean, like it you is. said, I'm I'm a fan more from the outside. I played a play them all here and there, but I've never really sunk into them. But just seeing this, it's such a breath of fresh air. It just mm. it's more meditation. Yeah, and it just the fan base, especially nowadays, where a lot of fan bases have gone absolutely toxic. Hi, Star Wars. Oh, shit, <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna get fucking no 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 let's let's not, hey okay okay I'll rephrase that thanks Pokemon Pokemon fans right leave um, me out of this <laughs> it no it just looks like a, a happy game it um, does I, I think it just yeah, it looks fun yeah no but that's exactly why I'm looking forward to it is I'm looking forward to just like the simple charm of Animal Crossing and that's always what it says just a simple nice little pleasantry and I think a lot of a lot of the changes that are coming around. Things that fans have been asking for for a while, like, hey, you get to decide where the villagers will move in and, like, where their house goes. You also then get to design and pave your own roads and all the rest of it. Instead of, you know, previous games where people would spend literally hours trying to create, like, the perfect town around their residence and then some new person moves in right bang in the middle of a fucking road and it's like (laughs) fuck but now you have control over that and it just gives it a bit more i guess user control which is always nice being able to take charge of the things that you want to take charge of is nice especially with the game like animal crossing where again it's all about the customization and you know making it your own little town also i'm really looking forward to playing it with other people as well because this will be the first Home console Animal Crossing since the Wii. Wow. Yeah. I think, yeah, the last one was the mobile game, right? Yeah, so the last one was the mobile game, then before that was New Leaf on the 3DS, which was like seven years ago or something at this point. I'm older than that, I think, now. I just want to set up a beautiful estate of houses that when you zoom out, it says, Tom looks a cockhead. And (laughs) I'll be quite happy with that. Out, out of curiosity, just on the topic of Animal Crossing, because I'm someone who has no idea about that game whatsoever, what does multiplayer look like in that game? Um, generally speaking, it's just kind of hanging out with a mate. So 
Animal Crossing on the Wii, I actually spent many an hour um, hanging out with a friend that I'd made through uh, Monster Hunter, actually. Um, he and I would visit each other's town, so I would have certain fruit that he doesn't like. He doesn't have, so he would come over, take some of my fruit, and replant it in his village, and then the trees would naturally grow. And also, just different bugs to catch, different fish, and you know, fossils and stuff to dig up. And you'd literally just hang out together. We would literally just walk to the river and just fish for like three hours straight and just chat. It was really fun. That does sound wholesome. It is. <laughs> it is pure wholesome fun. To me, Animal Crossing, and even the dogs like Animal Crossing, okay? Even yes. <laughs> Animal Crossing is when you walk outside after a bad day, you look up and you see a cool cloud. It's like, that's a, you know, things are okay for that few seconds. And then it's all back to abject misery and horror. Yay. But- Speaking of abject misery and horror. Oh, oh. Well, well played. Well played. We're going to go into, into my, uh, my first pick here. Um, talking about a game with a real oppressive atmosphere, Half-Life Alex. I'm oh, so keen for this. This is like it, a killer app for VR. Mm. Now, I haven't played a Half-Life game. Me that is either. your Actually, mistake. I've, I've played mm. maybe about 15 minutes of Half-Life 2 and got very lost and confused and stuck in front of a sewer, I think. And I couldn't get out of the sewer because as soon as I tried to get out of the sewer, some UFO tried to shoot me or some shit. I don't know. It was like 10 years ago. <laughs> it's a very old game. Um, Half-Life, I guess, number two was revolutionary for the time. And mm. they continued that on in the um, the episodes, episode one and episode two, which finished in like 2007 they kind of left things on i don't think it's spoilers to talk about the ending of a game from 13 years ago so i'm gonna say it um they ended it on like a cliffhanger i'm not gonna get into details but this is a continuation of that story it's sort of set before the events of half-life 2 itself um and as far as like i guess you know where where it's going the the art design as well just the atmosphere everything about half-life the way it's setting and it's world building i cannot get enough of that and i'm so excited to get more of that it is almost almost not quite inspired me to buy a vr headset (laughs) well that brings up a good point do you think this game is going to be big enough to make people buy a pc ready vi headset they're not cheap especially when you want the full hand controls yep. i will buy it but i'm yep. an idiot yep <laughs> there's lots of people like you around the world jesse and they will lots of buy it as well um absolutely i think it's like system selling level i i actually kind of agree i've seen a lot of people who've played it um a lot of devs who have you know had their hands in it saying this is this is vr this is the first true vr game they have nailed the hand controllers and the controls are the part that always let me down with any sort of vr the you know what you're seeing is is fine it's just you don't feel part of that world but seeing the trailer seeing the articulation in your hand running through a high-end vr headset that looks magical that looks scary, actually. Yeah, it is. It's like the future of what games are going to look like. It's weird to think that this game is coming out on the 23rd of March. That's like yeah. a Holy month shit. from now. Yeah, Absolutely fuck. nuts. But then was... again, you have to ask the question, what kind of hardware do you need to run it at the fidelity you see in that trailer? Mm, yeah. Are you going to need Valve's Index headset thingo, which costs like thousands of dollars? It costs like two grand to get that here in Australia. If you can even yeah. find, like, uh, um, one. <laughs> yeah, you can't just walk into EB Games and be like, hey, hand me over a two and a half grand headset. Cheers. Ugh. If and would, you like a, would you like a subscription to Game Informer with that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no one ever wants a subscription to Game Informer. Whoa, whoa. I mean, <laughs> fair. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, right, I'm really good mates with um, the manager of my local EB Games, and at one point I went in there for something or another, and he was going to get rid of, like, literally 20 copies of Game Informer, Aww. like, old issues. And was like, do you want them? And I was like, all right. So I just went home with, like, 15 different issues of Game Informer. Fuck yeah, were- I, I still have, this is completely off topic, I still have all my old OPS, um, OPSM, the official PlayStation magazine magazines oh. I have a box that weighs about, weighs about 70 kilos full of them still. So I have, all that. back in the UK... 
in storage somewhere. I've got a box of official Nintendo magazine. Um, like, I've got... Fuck, I, I was subscribed for years. And I remember, I think it was issue 8 was their Wii coverage for the release of the Wii. And I fucking loved that. Like, anyway. <laughs> it was a pre-Wii disappointment Wii magazine. Ooh. Yeah. So, I think because we've had such just amazing segues between different games, I'm going to try and do one here. So, Half-Life Alex stars um, famous New Zealand comedian, Reese Darby's in it. Reese Darby, everyone. Reese Darby. Um, Reese Darby is in Fly the Concords. Have you seen Fly the Concords, Simon? Uh, uh, I have not, but I have been told multiple times by you would love my it. brother to watch he, it. Um, he is Murray. Murray the manager. Um, and in Fly the Concords, my favourite episode is about David Bowie. And Bowie's a, in? <laughs> a, yeah, Bowie's in space. That whole thing is a dream. Dream. Dreams. Dreams came out last Friday on Valentine's Day. It's a new media molecule game. Um, they're the guys who brought Little Big Planet. Uh, and this is also Ooh. the thing I mentioned at the start. See, it all connects. It all connects. Have you guys seen Dreams? Dreams is a hard thing to explain because it's more of a dev kit than a game. Um, yes. I haven't, haven't seen anything. I actually watched a video before. Holy shit. So Dreams is, there is a story mode you can play, but whatever. Cool. Um... It gives you all the tools you need to make anything. I'm talking about a low-level game. When I when I played the beta um, a few months ago, I was playing a boxing game with an amazing soundtrack, um, which is definitely worth checking out on YouTube. Um, just type in, Oi, you, what you looking at? Um, simple boxing <laughs> game. I played a Guitar Hero knockoff, and then I played... Somebody tried to make... Uh, what's the, the forest from uh, from Zelda? Uh, so it's with K. Korok? You mean the Kokiri Forest? Kokiri Forest. Like that one. That's the one. Um, they remade it. And it was pretty close. It was pretty close. Cool. But now, three days into the game being out, or well, at the time of recording, I'm seeing people who have basically remade, you know, Skyrim, and it works. Um, <laughs> so they did a, a better job than Bethesda. There are space fighting games. There is a fucking PT remake that is millimeter perfect people are making their own songs in games i saw a game that looks like um you know qop the 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 running hurdling game but it's uh, quop quop qop quop whatever yeah it's the <laughs> dancing scene from the fucking joker film and you have to dance down the stairs that's amazing i love that but this i also hate it game, yeah this game is just so far Beyond, I think I'm very intrigued to see what reviews say because I think it's almost unreviewable. How do you review a game that's kind of constantly evolved? And that's why I think even though the game has come out, it's still something I'm looking forward to because mm. we have not seen what this is going to do. Six that game months down the track, I, I think this game could actually cause a few interesting legal ramifications, have some legal questions asked because what can stop somebody making Cyberpunk? Mm. So somebody's already made their version of Last of Us 2 it looks like PS1 game which I kind of like but it's already, it's <laughs> already and that's, that's not that far into it people haven't experienced like, or found out what this game is capable of yet well <laughs> the other thing as well going into the legality of it is, is who then owns that and who is then also legally responsible for that exactly I mean you like, guys remember I'm sure all the, uh, all the, the drama surrounding Blizzard updating their terms of service for Warcraft 3 Reforged that any mods you make are owned by Blizzard because they don't want to miss out on the Dota train because that's how Dota started. So what about in this case? If Dreams is absolutely fantastic and you know people create something that goes viral and does super, super well, who then owns that? And let's yeah. say someone creates something else that also goes viral but is a copyright infringement who then has to take that legal battle yeah exactly right it's i think it's gonna be one of the most fascinating things to happen to games in the last few years and it's a bit of a, a sleeper because it is so it's been available to people for a few months now a mm. lot of people have played this game a lot of a lot of testing went into this it's only become fully available last friday and i just I see this really blowing up because the hashtag um, 
I think it's like it's like made in dreams or something like that on Twitter. Have a look at it. You you hmm. will see some wild games, and it's so hard to comprehend that they are running through the same on if, the same disc. It if, is mind blowing. If dreams is like a platform, then surely like you can use this platform to like monetize what you're you're creating on it. So I'll be really interested to see how it develops. I have to talk very quickly because I watched a video of um, the the like the 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 story I guess that Media Molecule made um, for Dreams called Art's Dream, and it is absolutely freaking mind blowing because they use the tools of the game just to make this entire story thing, and it is it is incredible the quality of it, the animation, the the game style is just like. It, it blows my mind. I cannot wait either, Jesse. This is going to be good. I it might seems buy to be, a PS4 it's a cross between. Oh, is this a console seller for you? Mm, yeah, it is, man. It's a cross between a game, a dev kit, and YouTube. Ooh. Because you can just search what you want to play. There were a lot of people have been saying on Twitter, and I don't know the validity of this, but I would love to see it come to fruition. And I think this would really be a boon for Sony. I mean, Mini Molecule, Molecule being a Sony dev. Um, having dreams preloaded on the PS5. That would be cool. That would be a console seller. It yeah. takes away... I used to love when you get a new console, you get the demo disc. Yeah. And you play, you would play that first mm-hmm. level of Abe's Odyssey. Uh, and you would play... Oh, what was that ball game? Cooler World. And you play them a billion times before you bought your first PS1 game. Or maybe that was just me. No, no, just no. That's definitely nope. a thing. But imagine like some, a kid logging onto a PS5 for the first time and just exploring. Mm. It's like, hey, here's what, for lack of a better term, amateurs can make. Now go buy this. You know, go buy Horizon Zero Dawn 2 or whatever is going to come out around that time. I think it's a really it's a cool I like that idea into too, the Jesse. scope. I like that idea, especially because the PS5 is going to be more expensive than the PS4 yeah. was at launch. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be pricey. So if it comes with something packaged, bundled in there, that increases the value proposition for potential buyers. I think that's personally one of my biggest grievances with the Switch when it came out, is that there was no software bundled with it. 1-2 Switch was a waste of money, and if that had been bundled in with the console, that would have been fucking great. Because it was a great tech demo, but that was it. It was not a good game. Completely agree. The 1-2 Switch was just like, hey, how good is our rumble controller? And it's like, yeah, "Yeah, no, it's cool. What else have you got? Uh, uh, do you want to pretend to be a wizard? A lot of our games look like hand jobs. That's something. That's fun after a few drinks. <laughs> yeah, do you want to milk a cow? No, thank you. I don't. <laughs> All uh, right, Simon, one, two, switch. Never Ooh. played it before. Going to play it now. You just sold me. <laughs> so Trust console, me, you're not missing out. The much. console selling um, games for you, Keelan, have been Dreams and uh, One Two Switch. Yeah. <laughs> the, the disparity in that is quite nice. Whenever I hear one two switch, I think of that one two step song by Sierra. Maybe that's just me. No idea. Nah. Well, you know, I feel you, man. Hey, hey, lads, get some culture. Go YouTube Sierra, <laughs> and you'll be open to a world of middling mid two thousands. Speaking of uh, culture, uh, Simon, I think you're gonna probably want to chime in on on this one. Uh, we're gonna yeah, talk about we... a game of the highest culture, the most sophisticated oh, yes. video game that you have played in a long time. This game is Doom Eternal. I am personally really excited for it. I haven't even completed Doom 2016, but just the fun, like just the sheer fun that it is. Because I think, I think for me, as someone who grew up, like I I was born mid 90s and sort of grew up after Doom had had its like pop culture influence after that time. So for me, this is the first time really seeing Doom as it's meant to be. This is Doom with a brand new, I guess, skin on it. And it's got the pop culture influence back. It's got the badassery back into it. It's mm-hmm. got the tantalizing speedrun mechanics in it as well. And it's like, oh yeah, this is how Doom would have felt for people who first played the original Doom. Oh yes. So it's so cool to be part of, I guess, sort of like the new wave. And look back and go, oh yeah, I can see exactly why Doom was such a big hit. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of those games. I don't know uh, if you guys know uh, the the game director Hugo Hugo Martin. Um, he is just 
He's like me, but smarter and more successful. So he, <laughs> he, he thinks the same way. It, in, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, and he's, he has the same sort of pop culture influences. And you can see it all the way through Doom. Like in Doom 2016, you see this bit where uh, there's this like exposition bit going on where there's a, like a computer screen in front of you and your character just, just picks up the screen it. and just smashes it out of the way. Like, screw this. I'm going in <laughs> to that. fucking shoot demons. I'm going to kill things <laughs> with my bare hands. That's um, one of my favorite things about Doom 2016, and I guess the sort of new era of Doom is that the Doom Slayer or Doom guy just doesn't give a fuck yeah. anymore. Yeah, exactly. He's like, now I just want to shoot shit. The, I don't think care I've, why. I've always thought about Doom is that it's it's one of the few games that I've ever played where you feel like the the last boss. You are the boss. And all the, yeah. the enemies who are trying to kill you, they're yeah. the fucking players, okay? You are more powerful than them. You will destroy them. You'll kill them all. And it is so satisfying. So, unlike you guys, I didn't really grow up with Doom. So, Doom 2016 was my first proper foray into Doom. And like you, Simon, I didn't finish it. And it, I get it. I, I get it. The game is fast. It is an ultimate power trip. Something didn't click with me. I think the game was easily sort of broken. You could just run around certain areas, turn around, melee kill, grab some weapon, grab some ammo, run around. And I just found I was doing that a lot. However, Doom Eternal looks more 3D. You now have your grappling mm. hook. And I think that is going to add so much momentum to the combat that I find the thought of this game fucking... Oh, oh my god, I'm so pumped for this game game <laughs> jesse jesse a bit of advice quickly as well i think part of the reason that people bounce off of uh, doom 2016 is because they play it on normal difficulty or lower um you don't get the same experience no. unless you're playing on a higher difficulty none of this the, none the, you, of this you sit on the edge of your seat man and you're just like Ugh, you just feel tense and you get through through like an arena combat section and you just feel like you've accomplished something but you don't get it when you're on a lower difficulty give it and a try next time yeah also admittedly something i did was right my first time playing through it um like the first couple of levels, I was like, I wonder how far I can go with the pistol. Out, like, because that's always a thing. If you look at like Resident Evil games and stuff, you always have, like, you know, that sort of survival horror game. You've always got a pistol, and it has like decent power right at the beginning, and then it slowly like drops off, and the power creep of other weapons happens, and blah blah blah. Mm. But I was like, I wonder how far I can go with this pistol. And it was only when I was like halfway through the fourth level that I was like, okay, maybe I should start using something else. Yeah, absolutely. It's Jesse. It's a game of chess, but played it played at a very fast pace. You have to change your weapons, and you have to adapt to the move sets of the chess pieces that are put on the arena. Oh, like or fucking like the, the demons. Oh god! I just I found that the same pieces were getting put in front of me a lot. Now that isn't so much detrimental, and I got that you were just meant to clean them out. Mm. But maybe maybe I mean the game maybe just not for me. I'm not into fast paced shooters normally. I think what's getting me about this new game is also the the design of it, the angels, the whole heaven aspect of this game is such a a quirk. Mm. To the normal visuals, visuals, but that, and having them, the angels being stronger, and judging from the trailers, a lot more evil than the yeah. demons you're fighting, is fucking rad. It's but, I don't know something about fighting like a really religious figure reminds me of Assassin's <laughs> Creed Two when you beat the shit out of the Pope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting so that what vibe. did you do this weekend? Oh, I played a bit of Doom Eternal, punched God in the face. You know, standard. Back to the normal day. Regular Actually, there's Doom a playlist on Spotify called Songs to Fight God in a Back Alley To. I so, shit you not. I'm king, looking that up now. That's my lullaby <laughs> thing for tonight. Just as a random, by the way. But also, Jesse, going back to your point, like, oh, you felt like a lot of the same pieces were being put on the board in front of you. That is something that even the developers at id sort of like commented on no clip have a sort of mini documentary about how they've redesigned some of um, Doom's classic monsters and demons to come back for doom eternal and they cover that they're like we had a handful which we used a lot and 
one of the bigger criticisms with um, Doom 2016 was that it was very arena combat focused. You would yes. walk from one hallway to another and then, oh look, here's an arena, kill some guys until they stop spawning. And then carry on and walk through again and explore a little bit more. Whereas now they've they've tried to mix it up. They've, they're adding in more demons um, with more variety between each, like, might be the same species, but each individual demon is going to act slightly differently. And you can directly influence the AI as well. If you destroy a certain part of the demon, they then have to resort to attacking you differently. So although it might be the same queen that's been put on the board, if you blow the legs off the queen, well, they've got to change how they act entirely. So they... they that is absolutely an absolutely fair criticism, I would say, because id themselves have gone. Yeah, actually, yeah. I just got into the loop, and maybe I don't want to say I was playing it wrong because I don't think that you can say that you played a game wrong and therefore it was bad. I think a game. Oh, you can played- definitely say you've played Doom wrong. The developers have <laughs> said so. You. Yeah, no, no, they, oh, they've been very clear. They've been very clear. You can play Doom wrong, and you won't have a good time if you play it wrong. Hey, id, make a better game, eh? You know. Well, don't put don't put the onus on me. I paid eighty dollars for your game. I should be able to play it however I want, including including hiding behind rocks. I'm scared of the demons. No, the thing that I'm just scared, what worried me is it didn't worry me, annoyed me is you run out of ammo and then you turn around and you have what are your basic demons called? Just demons? They have a name? Fred? John? What whatever. the imps? The imps? Um, imps. Just, imps. Yeah, the yeah. imps. You turn around and you do your melee kill to get um either armor or ammo. Also health or ammo. Um, I think in the new one you can also get armor by burning them and then ripping them apart. Pretty cool. But I was finding I was doing the same melee kill three times in a row, and that animation takes three seconds. So you do it three times to three insignificant enemies, and that's nine seconds gone of not really playing the game. So that momentum mm. you've built up is suddenly just stopped, halted. And you, yeah. you have to start back up again. And I was like, it, it felt a little bit jarring at times. I'm hoping I get it's what you a mean, lot and more I do, smooth. I, I, I do agree with that being a bit of an issue during the earlier parts of the game. Yep. However, as the game goes on and the, I guess, the cast of demons expands and you've got more interesting finishes and you've got um, different elevation in your arena as well. So although there might be six imps if you jump from the top and press the button for the glory kill, you'll get some fucking badass one when you'll, like, essentially crush their their chest in, rip their arm off, and then stab them in the face with their own arm. That's love- fucking fun. Doom is the game. You know when, in like, when they make, a, like, a Hollywood movie about games and they're in the background being super violent? That's, mm-hmm. it, it, that is what Doom is. Doom is so unapologetically video game it's yeah. what people who are scared of video games think video games are you know politicians up there's like oh we're blaming video games for this and that it's like it's just doom yeah we've <laughs> but definitely it's, just a it's, casual, so per- it's perfectly self-aware i think we're definitely going to do an entire episode about doom because i just want to talk about that fucking yeah. soundtrack I, I also i also want to talk about like ultra violence in games in general and how it's portrayed like in terms of like the tone and everything games like mortal Kombat and doom nail it there've been other games in the past though which have not exactly really hit it right i would argue mm. mortal Kombat is starting to swing the other way but we'll save that for the uh for the episode simon what's your next game well the, i mean doom eternal is my, doom eternal? my number two all right well do you want to go my to number your... two as well what's your number one? Oh, breath of the wild too however <sighs> that comes with a caveat because as a Zelda fan, I am fully, fully expecting it to be delayed, because Breath of the Wild one got delayed four times, I believe. Yeah, it was a while. Yeah, it was delayed quite a bit, and I'm fully expecting Breath of the Wild two to be delayed. However, now is actually a really good time for me to bring up that this is the longest time span we have ever gone without a Nintendo Direct. This is the longest Nintendo Direct drought. We haven't oh. had one for 2020, and we are almost well we're just over halfway through the second month you Maybe might say we are direct shinless hey. um simon do you know anyone else who can be in this podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah you know what? i think i can ask a couple of people 
Well, okay, Simon, just to start off with with your um, worry that this game won't come out, I'm going to give you a little bit of hope. The last time I... I used to... I used to have a little blog about video games back when I had hopes and dreams. And as I was writing about Spider-Man on PS4, and I literally wrote the sentence, I'm holding this lower on my list because I don't think it's going to come out this year, Greg Miller from Kinda Funny tweeted a hint that it was coming out like in three months. And it did. And I look like a fucking idiot. So if that stays true, we're going to be playing Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 late March. Yeah. So I see why not. Okay, I think, again, Breath of the Wild is going to be an episode within it in itself because we could all talk about that game for days. Mm. What do we want from Breath of the Wild 2? Breath of the Wild is close to a perfect game. I want classic Zelda dungeons back. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the shrines. I liked that each one was slightly different and I liked how there was no one way to solve any yeah. of the puzzles. Um, with a few exceptions, mind you. Like, the beginning ones are obviously set. Anyway, um, with that in mind, I wouldn't like to see shrines disappear completely. I would still like to see a few of them, but I would like to see less of them and more focus on a proper dungeon. Because the Divine Beast was when I was like, yep, this is my my Zelda game. Yeah, I enjoy this. But the problem was there was only four of them and they were kind of short-lived. Um, and also not overly challenging. But anyway, um, I'd, like, I'd like to see a return to the classic dungeon format. However, I would also like a slight spin on it as well. Because Zelda games have a habit of you start off the dungeon you go you beat the mini boss and you get an item to kill the dungeon boss and that's it you use it in that one dungeon and never fucking again there are a few exceptions to that in twilight princess for example where you got the bow halfway through the dungeon and that was used for fucking ever and also the iron boots had multiple uses and like little things like that the claw shots as well loads of use i liked those i liked those diverse weapons I'd like to see that come into play a bit more. Like, hey, you only get, you know, six items out of, I don't know, 15 dungeons or something, but you use each of those six items. Or they could just stick with, you know, Swords of the Break, because nobody it's, hates that. <laughs> I think that's the best part of the game. I love the Break all weapons. I think That's a controversial it, decision. It, I think it leans into what the, the survival element of the game, which made it so mm. appealing to me, was... What I like about Breath of the Wild, Breath of the Wild was the first proper Zelda game I played, is that everything had a consequence. If you go out of the mm-hmm. cave and you take a left, your situation can be very, very different to what happens on your right because of what emerges in that gameplay. I think the weapon, uh, weapons breaking is just an extension of that emergent gameplay where you go into a situation fully prepared, but you cannot predict every element of that fight. And mm. as soon as your, your sword breaks... Yeah, you, you need to you've think. You've got to now. recalculate. Yeah, and that makes the right, game Jesse. that unpredictability makes the game in, infinitely replayable. If you go yeah. to the point where it's like, okay, I have the master sword and it's going to kill everyone, or maybe because of the timer on that, it's a little bit different. But let's say you know the thunder sword or the fire sword or whatever you want. I have this. I'm unbeatable. Then the game's going to get old and repetitive. But if you go into a fight and that breaks and you're like, oh shit, why do I have six boomerangs? I have to use these. It's fun and making you use everything. I think it leans into one of my favorite things that games do is when it takes all your weapons away, like a Ventide Island. Mm. I love when a that game strips everything away from you and you need to think. And that's what yeah. the game made you do. I understand that when you find a really cool weapon and it breaks, you're like, ah, I have to go find again. But fuck, they made a world that makes you want to go find these weapons again. I hope weapon breaking stays in zelda that's forever. that's the thing so the reason why i i'll tell you a quick story um the moment i realized that i really loved breath of the wild is when i realized the depth of the systems i just started playing and i had a couple of sticks in my inventory which i had to use as weapons so i ran into one of those standard enemies and having a bit um, of a drink there eh, buddy hey bit of Sounds good. Couple of frothies with the boys, eh? Very frothy right now. It's actually just gone fucking everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that. It's like like a my free cams kind of thing going on here. Ooh, Mm. no, please. I'll pay. Let me finish my story. Damn. Um, (laughs) Carry on. Yes. 
um, I was running into into a combat situation with a couple of basic enemies. Um, so my stick was about to break, and I'm like, all right, cool. I have to make the most of this. I'm going to chuck my stick at this thing. So I misjudged my aim. I threw the stick. It landed, it landed straight straight in front of this, this enemy who continued charging forward, picked the stick up, awesome. and beat the shit out of me with that stick. <laughs> Classic. I lost my mind. I couldn't believe it. And I realized, like, okay, this is what makes this game great. It's these systems that it's built around. Also, mm. shrines. I want more shrines. Just give me all the shrines. But I see where Simon's coming from with, I want du- uh, dungeons as mm. well. I think yeah, what more this game too. had, and Simon, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if the older mm-hmm. um, Zelda games had this as much. I liked when the dungeon elements were brought outside. Now, mm. what was that guy who was challenging you everywhere? He was like a little bird prick and he would sing to you sometimes. Ugh. And there was like one where you had to shoot an arrow between two, like a hole in two rocks. Each rock had yeah. a hole in it. Mm-hmm. You had to get the angle perfect. I like them almost as dungeons. I want more environmental challenges as well. So if you can mix more dungeons, maybe less shrines, but more intricate shrines How and then more environmental you. puzzles... Mm. it's a perfect game yeah I mean look Zelda has always had environmental puzzles I think the Koroks were a good extension of that although they took it too far with over 900 of those fuckers yeah and and what do you get when you get them all poo that was fucking (laughs) dumb you get literal (laughs) that was nothing just give him like a cool hat or something like that have it, some poo. Okay, if he got a t-shirt that said, I collected 900 Koroks and all I got was this lousy t-shirt, that would be Ooh. fucking rat. I mean, he didn't he get like a Nintendo Switch t-shirt? Yeah, yeah, so... Um, Come on, I think they, was, they can do it. I think it was like three days after the re- release of the Switch, they provided some free DLC. A one-two um, one Switch shirt? No, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been mad. Um, no, but look, I personally quite like the weapon degradation and i feel like a lot of people that don't kind of miss the point of it because the developers quite explicitly said that they want you to think and they want you like here you go here's an overpowered weapon enjoy cool that's it you're only going to use that one fucking weapon yeah whereas if you have oh cool this this sword's really powerful i'm gonna save it until i come across a really strong enemy and then I'll use it. I'm not going to use it for the basic bitch goblins, you know. I'll, I will throw sticks at them. You know, that'd be fun. Oh, I like that they're basic bitches. <laughs> well, they are. Uh, not wrong. Um, not wrong. <laughs> so, like, with that in mind, I do, I do enjoy the weapon degradation. I understand why it's controversial, but I don't agree with why it's controversial. I think it's a perfectly fine mechanic, works well within the bounds of the game, and even if the Master Sword, for example, didn't... Like, if that never broke, then that's the only thing you're ever going to yeah. use. Exactly. Why would you use anything like, else? It's, it's yeah, the perfect weapon. There would be no point. So you might as well have everything break, which is consistent, and then you sort of take that into account and work with it. Because you go, okay, well, I've used the Master Sword to break six different fucking rocks on the side of a mountain... I've probably only got four or five decent swings left in this thing before it goes away. What's my next weapon? I think it's the uh, like kind of night and day between the game we were just talking about, Doom. Keelan, mm. you were saying that when you're playing Doom, you're the boss. Like none of his, none of the Doom Slayer's guns are going to break. You mean nothing on the Doom Slayer breaks? They cut his hair with a fucking chainsaw, and they're lucky if the chainsaw doesn't break. <laughs> but that's where you feel badass. I think in Zelda, Link is meant to feel he is becoming a hero he is yes. not this ultimate hero at the start so you need to be fallible and i mm. think being fallible is, is is the panic of oh shit my sword just broke um yeah well that being, absolutely that being said one thing i would love in a sequel is more enemy types um because really what there were four five there were the flying eyeball pricks the the <laughs> the lionel richies the lizard goblins the goblin goblins and the big man. Uh, were there any yeah, more? Yeah, so, so hang on. Bokoblin, Moblin, Lizalfos. Um, you had the Guardians. You had Lionels. You also had the Flying Guardians. 
and you had like the Sentry Guardians as oh, well. Yeah. But I like the Guardians. The Guardians are cool design. I hated them at first. The Guardians like, were fucking terrifying like, in early game. You're but like, like oh, late no. game when you just start hunting them, it's like fuck yeah, yeah this is cool. I, I like I liked the I like the change, and that's when you feel really cool. Um, I like how also that's your victory. That's when you feel badass is when you then go chasing after them oh, instead yeah. of the other way And you're around. just you're just like ricocheting their laser beams back. Yeah. Like, oh, mate, badass. Speaking of badass, Keelan, what's your uh, what's your top game of the year? Top game of the year? Yeah, the one and only Cyberpunk 2077. Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. We Ooh. got a city to burn. Oh, shit. Ooh. That was, Damn. Fucking, that was fucking cool. You ever considered being a voice actor? That was amazing. Have Thank you, you. Have you ever considered being Keanu Reeves? <laughs> I couldn't do that to Keanu. He's too nice. Fun fact. I'm also not immortal like he is. Fun fact, I was almost named Keanu. Hmm. Why weren't you? Because my parents fucking hated me and they named me Jesse. After the character from Full House. Oh. Ooh. That's real bad, man. They could have named me after the character from fucking Speed. Keanu yeah. Reeves! <laughs> Motherfuckers. Anyway, all right, Cyberpunk. guys, Cyberpunk. We, we're all looking forward to this game, right? I'm assuming yep. we are. Yes. All right, this is going to be good. The blood, sweat, and tears of hundreds and hundreds of people went into this game, and I cannot wait to consume it and... And it's coming. It. It's, You're not actually going to play the game. You're just going to eat it. Like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll dine in. I'll, I'll tuck into that. It's coming. Mm. This game is coming from a good stock. I mean, it's mm. Project CD Red, CD Project yeah. Red, Project CD, CD Red, CD CD Project Red. There we go. That's the one. That's the one. Um, I mean, they made the fucking Witcher. So yeah, Cyberpunk's gonna be pretty good. I'm expecting. Okay, like not to be too negative here, but I'm fully expecting the combat to be. A little bit janky, a little bit eh. Mm. Yeah. But the rest of the game mm. is going to be excellent. Yeah. Like, I'm looking forward to it from a storytelling perspective, yes. not from a combat perspective, or even from a very video gamey perspective. I'm looking forward to it from the narrative point of view. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's what I'm interested in seeing. And that's what I think is going to bring everybody in. That's I their strength. I think that also leans into, like, what was the source material for this? A board game? Yeah. Well, you play a board game for the stories that you create. Oh, that type of, type of board game, you play it for the stories that you create. So, mm. I think it is a testament to what they've created. That the action, the gunplay looks fine, a little bit generic. But yeah, I want to see what happens to the characters. I want to see what the story arcs are. I want to see where the Dollar Tree has taken me. And what I do as a person within that world. The um the creator of Cyberpunk, um, Mike Pondsmith, is on board as a consultant. So you know he's oh, been actively oh, contributing good, to good. the to the game um, and to the storylines that they're going to be doing. Um, yeah, that that's uh, CD Projekt Red's um, strength. It's the storytelling. It's the, those little narrative moments. It's the choices that you make, and the um, the weird things that you get to do in the game, rather than the actual mechanics behind it. I'm definitely going to play this game very Deus Ex. I'm going to be very stealthy, sneaky, hacking to things, hacking, hacking to people. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a goddamn ghost in this game. I mean, I, I bought a new graphics card specifically for the game. So, <laughs> have you seen? Um, Is that an RTX 2070? 2070 Super, my good friend. Oi, very nice. Um, Keelan, <laughs> we were talking about there was a company that made the graphics card, the Cyberpunk one. Is it Radeon? No, uh, NVIDIA, the NVIDIA, RTX yeah. 2077, which they were teasing recently. Yeah. I love it. I'd buy one if they released something like that. I mean, I built a PC last year for the first time ever. I know nothing about PCs. Uh, and I set it up purely so it looks like something out of Cyberpunk. That's it. It's a, Wait. it's like a two and a half grand prop. I just wanted it for the lights. And they're currently blue and pink. It's pretty cool. Wait. The game is RGB. very fucking stylish cyberpunk mm. has such a cool style and i hope it like kicks off a few people dressing up more cyberpunk just day to day i want yeah. i want like a cool led collar that looks cool um, i want a visor <laughs> fuck yes I, yeah. right i want capes to come back in i'm just saying okay Ooh. i think capes look cool why are they not a thing um because it's perverts yeah perverts ruin them 
But I mean, like you could do like a cool swish. In yeah, the windows and, and walk fla- away from someone and flash your junk because you're a pervert. No, no, but you're not wearing it like an like an apron. You're wearing it like a cape. You got to have pants you, on. You, with, you can flash. You got to have your trousers on. Or your shorts or whatever, and then when you're, whole, when you're done having a conversation, look. With the moment, the moment you reach for that cape, people are gonna assume you will be tackled. Hold Things up. will go badly for you. Hold up! If you wear a cape and you wear shorts, you've already committed a fucking crime. Okay. <laughs> well, look, I just wasn't judging anyone else's sense of fashion. Okay. What are you a gardening vampire? <laughs> yeah, maybe I am. Maybe I am. What of it? Speaking Ooh. of vampires, can I talk about my no, you, sleeper hit pick? No, you can't, because I haven't even spoken about my number one game of the year. Look at, look at him go. Look I'm him. looking for segues, man. What's your number one pick, Jesse? Well, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll go last. So, you know, I'll be the last of us two. Dun, dun, dun. Um, how pumped are we for this game? I don't think we have to say too much about it, to be honest. Uh, have we all played Last of Us? I'm still um, not over the pun. <laughs> I actually have not played Last of Us. However, I was, I guess, um, co-piloting because I was living with Gaz and Len when it came out and Len came home and was like, hey, I've got this game. It looks really fucking cool. And I was like, cool, boot it up. Let's play. And so he was playing but i was his advisor on the side and i played i watched him play through the whole thing the whole like, thing i was sat next to him i think it's a game that time. you can do that with the gameplay is fantastic but the story mode is just well that's what got me i was like oh man this story looks so good and so like often i'd like as soon as work was finished i'd be out the door i'd message and i'd be like hey more last of us tonight and he'd be like oh fuck yeah and then that'd be it. Like, I'd get home and we'd fucking play Last of Us. So, I'm very excited for Last of Us 2. So I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. I didn't think it was going to happen. And the crew said, mm. uh, when the first game came out, everyone's like, oh, do a sequel, do a sequel. And they said, we're not doing a sequel right now. We don't have the story to tell. So, when they turned yeah. around and said, we have it, I was filled with just the utmost confidence that they have a story that will just blow minds Last of Us 1 made me cry. Um, yeah. At the start, I cried, and I came close to the end. I think it's one of the most beautifully heart-wrenching stories told in such a brutal way. The game pulls no punches, and I, I think mm. this new one is going to hit harder. They've said that... Um, I can't remember the exact terminology they use. The first game was about loss. This one's about anger and rage. So... Seeing, I mean, we've, I imagine we've all seen the trailers. Um, Ellie has, I assume, a girlfriend. Um, yeah. Uh, Dina. I don't think things are going to go well for Dina or she gets kidnapped. I think, judging from the trailer, she may get killed. And Ellie looks fucking furious. Um, this game, yeah, I, th- I get chills even thinking about it. And they're adding in a few things that have already made me feel more uncomfortable. So now enemies have dogs. And you have to kill dogs. I always get very into games. When you kill enemies, they're they're people too. They're people trying to survive in this world. So if you kill an enemy, their friend will cry out for them because they just lost like their best mate, and they will fight with the same rage that you're fighting with. And that is just like such a rich piece of gameplay that. They don't have to outwardly spell it out for you, but you're creating the additional storylines. Um, yeah, you're creating I mean, it in your own head. The co-director, Anthony Newman, on Twitter recently, he tweeted that we are, we are going to redefine AAA in 2020. I love seeing this confidence. I Look, I really hope that's the case because personally, I think the current state of AAA gaming is shambles and needs to be readdressed, like, readdressed with... With urgency. I think, judging from some of the games we've listed today, I think this year could do it. Mm. With God of War, to me, with a real master moment for gaming because people realise, oh shit, the single-player game is not dead. 
people well, it's want never... story. That thing, it's never been dead. It's never, never been even dead. been it's... close to being dead. We keep being told that it's dying by studios yeah. who want to keep putting out these multiplayer games, which and when, obviously yeah, have and... their place and and everything. But hmm, story, single player games with a strong narrative will never go away. And Last of Us is just at the pinnacle, and I think Last of Us Two has the potential to surpass that. Um, so this comes out May 20, which is a lot closer than I I thought. Yeah. I'll be taking a week of annual for that. Um, well, <laughs> I love the, the priorities. Fact, the fact that the trailers are hiding so much makes me think mm. this is a very, very rich story with a lot of spoiler-heavy material in it. So they're yeah. not showing us too much because it will start to get... You'll start to clue in things. At the moment, I know that some of it happens in Seattle... I know Joel is back in some capacity. I know Ellie got some more tattoos. That's basically all I know. Oh, and you can go prone now, which adds so much gameplay, uh, like, uh, possibilities. Very snake eater. Yeah. Crawling under cars and stuff like that. I am so pumped for this. I don't think I've been this pumped for a game since God of War. It's been a while. Mm. Ooh. Very, very hard for this game. It's a bold, but bold claim. I like it. All these games we've spoken about so far, we know they're all going to be surefire hits. Guys, I want to hear from you the game that you think may just come from left field and blow us all away. I think last year's uh, was a mix of Sekiro. I don't think anyone thought it was going to be as big as it was. Same goes for Control, which was my personal game of the year last year. I thought it looked cool, but when it came out inside a winning game of the year... No one saw that coming. Nobody was guessing no, that. No. So Simon, let's start with you. What is just you know surprise packet? Um, I after being disappointed with Pokemon Sword and Shield, I'm actually thinking Temtem might Tem, Tem, bring this. Tem, Tem, yes, Tem, 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 Tem. <laughs> I like how we already covered this in the pre-show, but <laughs> <laughs> um, because right, my I haven't played it at all, so I'm an outsider looking into this. And then also hearing a lot of stuff coming back out from it. And I've had lots of people come out and say, oh yeah, it's better than Pokemon, or it's as good as Pokemon, or it's nearly as good as Pokemon. And for a game to still be in early access, and already being like being called as good as Pokemon, or almost as good as Pokemon, that's a fucking achievement. And- because Pokemon's been running for nearly... Uh... Like nearly 25 years. years. I think it is 25 years this year. Or maybe... No, it'll be 24 years this year. Uh, because... Okay. Yeah, it's like the day before my birthday, but the year after as well. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, that's, well, that's a fair way to remember. Yeah, it's, it's 19... Yeah, 20, 25th of Which? February 1996. Anyway. Um, so... Like, I, I'm, I'm looking... I'm interesting to see where it goes. I'm not going to pay... The full price for it at the moment because it's like $45 or something on Steam, which is outrageous, especially for an early access game. I'm always cautious with early access games, but this one has had such good feedback. I'm interested and I'm keeping an eye on it. I think when a game can come from nowhere and be Mm. either as good, a little bit better, or almost as good around the ballpark of the Pokemon games, and the Pokemon games are, say... They rely on about 60% nostalgia nowadays. They do. Mm-hmm. Take that out. And this game floors Pokemon, I think. Yeah. It's gone yeah. in a direction that I no longer think that the Pokemon games can go, especially considering the few changes that they made last game and the, and the, the blowback they got from it. I don't think they're going to be willing to change too much. The battle system is completely different. The evolution style is different. The breeding is different. The characters are different. But the, well, the, but the game is essentially the same. Yeah, yeah. And... I think, personally, as a lifelong Pokemon fan, I do not like the direction that Sword and Shield went. I've got lots of issues with it. I've got lots of problems with the fact that it is literally the most profitable media franchise in the entire fucking world, ever, and yet they still weren't able to create a game that was fully polished and looked finished and was good. Um, not, Overall, not not to get you started on a tangent here, but um, it is also the best po- um, selling Pokemon game of all time. I so, know. Which anyway, <laughs> how did your uh, get me wrong? Like, how did cool, Dexit go? How did Dexit go? Honestly, about right, it, about as well as Brexit went. Okay, 
Not yeah, great. <laughs> absolutely. And let's also take into account the fact that, um, uh, you know, <laughs> gamer boycotts are not a thing. They're dumb. Um, don't do it. Don't do uh, it. Everyone. Every single time there's been a gamer boycott, it's never worked out. I haven't actually bought the game, but I might pick it up secondhand, but I'm not giving my money directly to Game Freak. That's for fucking sure. Guys, gamers have no power, and let's face it, we don't deserve it. We are mindless oh, right, sheep, and we, we buy uh, what they tell us to buy. Well, Pretty much, yeah. Speaking of buying what they tell us to buy, Keelan, convince me to buy this next game you want to talk about. Uh, it's Vampire <laughs> the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. Um, I'm kind of excited for this because it's an action role-playing game, which is like my jam. I really like stuff like that. Um, and essentially... You play a vampire in 21st century Seattle. And um, there's like five vampire, like, I don't know, like um, groups, like blood type groups. And you kind of like uh, go in, you have RPG type conversations with these things and you choose a group and you follow that. And you, it's like sort of an open world and you get to choose what you, what you want to do, who you want to be, more or less. I really like shit like that. Um, the thing that's interesting about this game is that um, the first game in the series, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, came out in 2004, I think, around the same time as Half-Life 2. And it was a a buggy mess. And it was incredibly um, unsuccessful, like financially. They they didn't make any money back. The studio who developed it closed. And yeah, it didn't go go great. But it became a cult hit. And people sort of like worked on it. They um, made like user patches to make the game better, more playable. Um, so it's quite interesting how that's gone. So they've brought the, the, the writer in, um, one of the, the strong points of that game, uh, was the, the writing. So they brought the original writer in for the sequel. Now I'm working at a new studio called, um, hard suit labs. And, um, essentially they've delayed the game. It was due out in March this year, but they've pushed it back, um, just to ensure that they don't run into that issue again. And that gives me a lot of faith. A delay is always a good thing. Delay is always good. Always a good thing. So I think I'm there's a few to exceptions to delays always being good, such as Duke, Duke Nukem. Nukem. <laughs> oh, yeah, that <laughs> wasn't a delay. That was a whole other thing. We're not going to talk that about that. I'm very help. passionate about Duke Nukem. Okay. Look, okay. To, to give to give it some context, I was late to work today. I wouldn't say that I was delayed and then gave better quality service all day. I was delayed and then I was a Duke Nukem for the day. You don't win them all. No. But, I mean, sometimes you get delays and delays and delays and you end up with Breath of the Wild. So, I'm just saying. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I think, like, the overall statistic, and don't get me, because, I mean, what, Final Fantasy VII Remake's been delayed, um, Cyberpunk's been delayed. You know... I think overall, a small delay is not a big deal. Yeah, not well, bad. Speaking Jesse. of delays, it brings me on to my uh, final game. This game was meant to come out on the 25th of Feb, but it is being pushed back um, just due to the development of Watch Dogs Legion and Rainbow Six Quarantine. And yes, I'm an Ubisoft shill. I am very excited for Gods and Monsters. Now, Gods and Monsters is a game that we haven't actually seen that much of. We've only really seen what they showed us at E3 last year. Um, it looks like a cross between Breath of the Wild and Assassin's Creed Odyssey. You sold me. It's, I want one. It, it's made by the same crew who made Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So it's Ubisoft Quebec. Um, hard at work. Very similar graphically. That semi-cell-shaded, very family-friendly art style, I guess, for lack of a better term. Mm. But it's just exploring Greek mythology. The team um, who made Assassin's Creed Odyssey loved what they were able to explore with Greek mythology. But were still shackled by the Assassin's Creed lore. This is going to be mm. their chance to spread their spread their their wings a little bit. Eagle, eagle wings. Uh, eagle spread wings. their eagle wings. Um, so it's an action RPG. You play as Phoenix, um, who's fully customizable. You can give him armor and gear and stats and all that type of biz. Um, and what they're doing is, in quotation marks, over the top, in quotation marks, combat. Um, you get to fight things like you know Cyclops and Hydras and Minotaurs and all of our fav- favorite Age of Mythology characters. Oh hell! Yeah. I love anything to do with mythology. I love the art style of Breath of the Wild. I love the crew who made Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Mm, that sounds I, really good, Jesse. This game looks fucking rad. Let's just I hope am... that they don't fly too close to the sun. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. going to give you some credit for that because that was quite clever. So. Well, I'm not going to give you any credit, so I think that's probably the best place to wrap it up. Thanks, Keelan. Uh, <laughs> so, thanks for checking out episode one of Story Mode. I hope you had as fun, as much fun as we had, and I hope it wasn't ruined by that uh, jokes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hope it was. <laughs> Me too. If you like, if if you liked us, uh, if you like, sorry, if you like this, uh, make sure you check out our. Um, other fan critical podcasts um they're available on all good podcast services um at the cr- at the moment the fan critical crew is reviewing the outsider um they also have a huge back catalog of other fave uh shows and movies i recently listened to the into the spider-verse episode which simon's on hello <laughs> yes i personally love that podcast as well and not just because i'm in it but i think it was just such a good movie and then getting to chat about it afterwards was so much fun and i absolutely love that one that's actually a personal favorite it's a damn good episode so make sure you check them out if you want to get in contact with us um email us at story mode video game podcast at gmail.com ask us questions give us ideas for topics going forward um check us out on facebook at story mode a video game podcast um or check us out on twitter story mode pod um, and remember to check out Fan Critical on Patreon. And if you're keen on it, chuck a few buckaroonies our way each month and grab a bunch of goodies um, that way and also help the network grow. We can get more shows like us, Story Mode. Um, yeah, we'll be, we'll be around every week. We're just going to wait and see what Mr. iTunes wants to do with us. Um, hopefully, we're, yeah. and we'll come back at you with a, a bit more of a schedule um, so we know where yeah. we're going. So, Simon? Just on the note, oh. actually, just on the note of the... Um, uh, fan critical uh, Patreon. They do have a couple of Discord servers as well Ooh. running. Um, so there is a Discord um, reward with uh, with their Patreon as well, which is always worth checking out. And there is also a fan critical sort of social um, Discord server as well, which I put a lot of time and effort into setting <laughs> up. Yeah, so you know, come along, have a chat with us. We're always willing to talk. Um, yeah, shoot us a message. So, Simon, thanks for joining us. I hope you had fun the first episode. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Keelan? Thank you. Thank you very much. Always a a pleasure, sir. Um, And to everyone listening, thanks again, and uh, we'll speak to you next week. Peace out.